right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a special Monday edition of the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here and back from their uh, big trip to H-Town. Is that is that the cool way to say it? Big H- Randy is here? H-Town. Correct. Hello, Solly. Sitting across the table from you and H-Town sounds great to me. TC is here also uh, big, back from his big trip. Sitting diagonally across diagonally the table. Diagonally and across. Thank you uh, for that lesson. So we learned a little bit this week. A lot about a lot of the top women players. We also had a little conversation uh, with some of the uh, fine folks at Callaway. Really actually, I guess, educating ourselves on the golf ball. I found out I was playing the wrong golf ball, which I kind of already knew, but uh, helped made me actually make the switch to the Chrome Soft X. Callaway had more than one-third of the balls in play at the U.S. Women's Open. They were triple track. More than one-third were triple track, excuse me, which is kind of wild. And Neil and I just played, a lot. Neil and I just played the triple track uh, in our in our little alt shot tournament that we played in this week, and I'm I'm in. I'm I'm totally hooked on it. The Odyssey was the most played putter at the U.S. Women's Open at, and at every major for the last two years. And uh, from now through the uh, end of the year, through December 31st, 39.99 for uh, a dozen Chrome Soft golf balls. Come on, the copy They're says giving this. Them away. The copy says this. Okay. The distance is naughty, but the price is nice. Huge of true. Mm. Which I told, mm. I warned our friends over there that we were going to roast them for that one. Don't you get final say over the copy? I, I guess I probably. That. I have editorial say. But uh, all right, time to talk some U.S. Women's Open. Uh, you guys were there. I believe I mentioned that. Um, we were there. Take us, you know, we can talk through the final round, but I want to hear kind of your takeaway. I'm, I'm getting out of the way of this one. You guys it's, tell it's us. It's real Vinny, Vitti, Vici stuff from uh, TC and myself. <laughs> came, we saw, we conquered. <laughs> tell me about it. What, it was what, great. What were your big takeaways? Well, first of all, it was our first tournament on the ground since the players. I know. that's It's kind of jarring to go back to one, since isn't it? The, since the Chainsmokers concert. <laughs> you know what? It was good to be back out watching some golf. And, and I think I speak for Randy when I say it's never not refreshing to be at a women's golf tournament. It's the absolute best. Like, Whenever I need my batteries recharged, I just need to head out to the LPGA. What is it about it that recharges your batteries? It's just a totally different spirit and aura about the event. You know, everybody just seems to be in a good mood and everybody's glad you're there. And it's just so much more approachable and relatable. That's exactly right. And then from a work perspective, you know, from going to a tournament, trying to do certain things, the fine folks at the LPGA, the USGA was very accommodating this week. They asked, what can we help you do? What do you guys want to do? Here's how we can help. Like, it, it's so nice. And I feel like a lot of times we head out to the men's tour and it's like, no, 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 no. Okay, maybe we'll let you do that. Wait, wait, what are you doing? Okay, how can we get in your way? <laughs> okay. And, and there's difficult? a lot more. There's just stories to be told out there that, you know, there's just not an, there's not enough people telling them, and there's not enough people listening to those stories either. So, hoping to change that. Like, I mean, shit. We, so, like, great example. We're out. Randy did a, a pod with uh, Bianca. I can never pronounce her last name. I've gotten really a lot better at it. Pogdanan. Who we followed for, you know, probably 18 holes between the two days. She was she was fascinating player to watch. I'm like, sky's the limit. I'm buying all the stock. But we're, we are out there with her coach. Carido, Carido, Villaroman, and his story was unbelievable. And then Yuka Sasso, former coach for Yuka Sasso as well. Randy, you want to tell Carido's story a little bit? Yeah, so I knew I knew Carido was Bianca's swing coach now, uh, and so we just you know friendly chatting. We're three of the I don't know six seven people that are following the group, and you know I. Do you live here? No, I'm still in the Philippines. Okay, cool. You know, ask him. And we come to find out he had won great golfer in his own right. He had won the U.S. Boys Junior. Or uh, what? What is no, it? No, the, the World Junior. The World Junior. Yeah, Tory Pines. Three times, uh, including a 12-shot victory over Phil Mickelson. And then he beat the shit out of Phil in the, was it the U.S. Junior Am or the U.S. Am? The One quarter, of the, the quarterfinals of that. He goes to Weber State on a golf scholarship he ends up getting hurt or whatnot but he was an all-america his freshman year at uh, weber state it's just a 
but it was like, the, it was the kind of thing that you would never ever find or uncover at a men's event. Cause a, the story would have already been told or B, you know, no, like people don't talk to you like that. Somebody's coach isn't just going to be likely just strolling around chatting. I mean, God, he held an umbrella for us when it started raining. <laughs> it was, it was great. And he manages the construction business in the Philippines. He's not even a full-time coach and he's probably one of the more brilliant golf minds out there. So anyway, it was like, I was pleasantly surprised by the venue champions was i didn't really know much about it going in i mean knew, I, like i knew the backstory jackie burke and jimmy demerit but didn't really know all that much about the course and uh not a whole lot of fairway bunkers off the tee talking the cypress creek course the main course but like really interesting course off the tee because uh, a lot of dog legs but and it was relatively demanding but without having a bunch of fairway bunkers out there which Col- i thought was colonial-esque cool. yeah a little bit it looked like colonial on tv yeah yeah very similar Relatively flat land, but there was still some some you know undulations there. Did you guys make your way over to Jackrabbit? We did. First we did. Day. Which first... I want to clear that up. Folks are like, oh, I can't believe they're playing two. The, the only reason they played two courses was they wanted to keep a full 156-player field. Because of the daylight in December this time of year, they had to spread it over two courses it to accommodate the right all the golfers. Yeah. Jack, the, the scoring averages were almost quite literally identical between the two. I mean, it was, I'm sure yeah. they're different golf courses. Yeah, but Jackrabbit, the, the the greens were a lot smaller. Um, the, there was no draw, really, basically. Not like, really. there was no, you know, breaks in that fashion in terms of who got to play which course which Correct. day and all that. So The biggest yeah. thing being out there with the course was the, the greens on the Cypress Creek course were so fucking big. I mean, like, we were standing there. You couldn't tell from 150 yards out if somebody was, like, 60 feet or 6 feet you know, up there until you got up there. It was, they're massive. Which I found the pins to be in really interesting places on the greens and that, you know, just being on the green wasn't a great shot necessarily. Yeah. And, you know, you had to bring in some, it, I feel like people can confuse big greens with being easy, which I think it's more, it's way more interesting to have a, a ton of space maybe out to the right and you're deciding how much to take on or just hit the safe shot and bail out. And it's a calculation of that for 72 holes. In I would say conditions. some of the holes even, it was like having multiple greens for the same hole. And yeah, it's all mode as one, but it, it would totally change the hole. Like number nine, that back right pin. Number yeah, nine, I got full. I didn't even see where the pin was. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, there's a whole right side over there. I didn't even see that. And then it looks super tucked on this little finger when you're standing on the fairway. And then you get up there and you realize like, oh, there's so much more room up here than you think. Um, that par three on the front was another example. Four. Four. Yeah. yeah. That had that little, or no, no, eight. Oh, with the little tongue yeah. up front. Yeah, little tongue yeah. up front where the pin was today. That was awesome. Um, I thought the setup was awesome. We liked, we actually liked the front nine. I thought the front nine was a, just a little bit more interesting. Not that the back wasn't good. I, I just thought there were some features on the front, uh, some specific holes, like number four we yeah. just mentioned. Number five was a pretty good dog leg left part five where you had to like position your tee shot. Uh, to deal with a tree on the inside of the dog leg. And the trees, are they were limbed up to the point where you could hit recovery shots. It dared you to, to hit the hero shot. I was shocked a few times, and, and you know, it happened today too, where just seeing, seeing players struggle with those, with those punch-out shots, and they were just getting mm-hmm. the ball too high. Couldn't figure it out. They don't have to punch out nearly as much as a lot of men's players do. I, th- I think maybe that, and also I was thinking like I don't, maybe the Bermuda's just a little jumpier. You know, they they're just expected that ball to be a little bit deeper into the into the Bermuda, but because it's dormant, you know, the club just gets through it easier. There was I, some, I don't know. There was some weird stuff going on with the grass too, to where it was, and the conditioning was great. I mean, the greens were perfect. Um, obviously a bunch of mud balls, but I don't think there's anything to... <laughs> we got to talk about that. Yeah. But, but, but Brandy's going to defend the mud balls. I have, I have a feeling. I think, I think overall they did a great... Like as far as the agronomy for mid-December, uh, they did a great job with what they were given. And uh, But it was, it was interesting in the rough. There was, I don't know if it was Zoysia or St. Augustine or something, but there was something mixed in with the Bermuda. You'd see the green look kind of running yeah. through a bit. And so there was some thatch underneath there. So you, there was some really inconsistent lots. It was cool. On TV, it played in terms of like really keeping your eyes on the screen to see if a ball stayed in the fairway because it was going to be punishing if you were in the rough, either dealing with overhanging limbs. And all of that can be tied back to just 
this is the scale that golf makes way more sense on than the men's game does. We can talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, there were some players, a lot of uh, – it wouldn't be a, a U.S. Women's Open or a U.S. Open in general if there weren't some bitching about uh, setup conditions, blah, blah, blah. It seems the players were quite perturbed with uh, not playing the ball up in the fairway and the mud ball, mud ball cinch well, that it was. I want to say something to Bones, though, first. Because Bones was making a big deal about that that whole location on what he, hole was that? He today? didn't make 11, a big I deal. He said it's ten he, or eleven. He yeah. said, "I'm not gonna say it's unfair." He was like, "It's up he, against and, the and edge." Then he, and then he insinuated fifty. Or was it times earlier? Was it, it was, six? It was either it was six, and then again on the one on ten, I think was very tough as well. But it was like, no, it's it wasn't unfair. It was a it was a tough pin, but it wasn't unfair. If the wind would have blown, it could have been. Like I think they they also moved some some tees up. They moved like three or four tees up today too. They did, which it, it's interesting. But I'm saying if the wind could have blown today, because like they they set up the course for Sunday, correct? And that's why they didn't go lift clean. And, I mean, they don't ever go lift clean in place, but like that's why it was you know it was set up to be played Sunday. But players had teed off Sunday, so there's no changes you could be make for Monday, right. and it was way colder Monday. Than it was on Sunday, and the course was still set up at plenty of length. And and even they, they from Saturday to Sunday, or from third round to fourth round, third round to fourth round, they chopped like some three hundred yards, yeah. three hundred fifty yards off, which is the setup. Smart. Yeah, but yeah, it could have with some wind. This day could have been extremely, extremely interesting, like, especially but, a whole like because uh, the wind was coming out of the north. I think today, like switched. It was around. supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it kind of died off, but. Um, like a whole like four. So was, there's three really good par fours right in a row, kind of start things out. And then four is that par three. Kind of feels like like it's like an LACC kind of thing where it's there's like this big creek. It almost looks like a barranca back there, and there's multiple tee boxes to this. That's the one with the big, big building kind of behind the green. And that one, I think, with a north wind howling would have been very, very, very challenging. It looked it, it, the whole thing just looked extremely challenging, even without wind. I mean, in terms of the clubs that they had to hit into the greens and how short the or how long the golf course was playing, I just hated seeing players get punished for balls hitting in the middle of the fairway and just accumulating mud on them and just it being put completely behind the eight ball. And so it, again, it's kind of like if the golf course wasn't set up difficult. That would be an interesting element to see players battle. But when the challenge is difficult right in front of you, when the pins are tucked, like, the ball is bouncing. Just, it, why, yeah. why you know you're no longer testing their skill ability. You're just testing like the luck of a ball coming off the club face in the right way. Randy's just shaking his head in disgust and doesn't believe I'm, this. I'm with you, Sally. Thank I'm, you. Yeah. My question, I just so the the way it was presented to on NBC was kind of. I guess is what uh, Tom Abbott did a great job. He's just like, if you're asking why they're not playing lift clean in place, the USGA does not do lift clean in place, which I hadn't really, I knew they'd like never do it, but I hadn't really thought of it in terms of like, basically that is a USGA rule that you can't do it as, as how he intimated it, which I didn't really think I fully understood. That's the part that made me really upset. was just like, really? I mean, you get to clean your golf ball in between holes. You get to clean your ball when you get to the green. Why the hell can't you clean it when there's mud accumulating on the ball in the fairway? Randy, I think that was the question that you asked. Was that's a good point. That's you made me you you struck a blow to my to my defense when you know. And frankly, I I would be willing to meet you that let's not touch the ball in the green. I knew you. I knew that's where you were <laughs> no, going to. No cleaning. No cleaning the ball in the green. I, it's you know. There's hey. There's a little luck in golf. There's I think some of it is. Let's see who deals with perhaps a bad break, or let's see who, you know, hey, that ball, the mug caused it to miss the green. Like, let's get up and down. That's probably going to happen to everybody over the course of the day. You know, it doesn't bother me. I like that the USG actually stands for something. I well, wish they would stand well, for some other things. Speaking but. <laughs> of standing for something, I thought, you know, I thought it was firmer and faster greens than at Wingfoot, in my opinion. <laughs> The, the, it wasn't. I, I, th I think the course setup, relatively speaking, was much, much more difficult better. for the women than than yes. at Wingfoot. I mean, that might have a little something to do with how far the golf ball goes. Totally, but yeah. it was also, you know, I mean, some some of it was conditions, some of it was, um, but but for the that that's a tough combo when it's it's that soggy in the fairways, and then you're hitting into still really really firm greens. Right, and yeah, I, I'm still amazed every time I watch women's golf, just like. When I see a hybrid or a wood in someone's hand, and I'm like, oh, all right, this is a big, tough shot. And then they just drop it in the center of the green like it's nothing. And the way they, it's and I know crazy. it's coming in from a shorter distance than men hitting, you know, hybrids and three woods, but it is amazing at how 
their scoring mentality does not change when you know when those when the when the male pros have those clubs in their hands like it's usually like get in the bunker or get somewhere near the green we'll figure it out but the the ladies are like dropping it into very difficult spots with hybrids and yeah, it's so fun to on, watch was it 10 or 11 today one of the groups just watched i'm like man like that was that was in, insane how good those three shots were from 200 yards out well, i was gonna say 16 was a great example the the birdie i mean uh, with the hybrid specifically, Jin Young Ko made birdie and uh, Shibuno. She didn't. I don't believe she made the putt, but that was such a good shot into sixteen. Landing it right over that bunker, just that's gnarly. And then, like, I mean, shit. I, I think Shibuno had one from like one sixty or one sixty five. It's this crazy high, you know, hybrid that lands and stops within three feet. Max Holm had a great tweet that he had ordered a hybrid during this during today's <laughs> broadcast. But. Welcome to the club, bud. Hey, Max, if you're listening, that's a 15th club too because you can bump that thing around the greens. You don't get to say that anymore because you stopped bumping it. <laughs> no, I'm not getting chances to bump it. You know, it's not too often that we do a podcast where there are more interruptions than the telecast that we just watched. Yeah. Shout out to Rolex. Not a sponsor of ours, but every time that they are going to sponsor uninterrupted coverage, we will gladly uh, give them a shout out. But we do want to shout out our friends at Walker Trolleys. Do you guys mm. know about Walker Trolleys? I do. I've used them. They're awesome. They uh, build equipment that respects the game as it was meant to be played, which you might guess is walking. The new Walker Trolley Cape model, it brings golden age style with a clean, sleek design, ample use of premium materials, wax canvas, aluminum, and leather. Aluminum. It turns heads. Every time I'm on the course with my Walker Trolley, a lot of people ask questions about it. Like It just looks like a very... It looks like a stroller, like a nice premium golf cart. Oopa baby. The cleanest, simplest folding trolley on the market. It takes like two seconds to get out of your car and set up. Striking design helps you stand out where it matters on the golf course. And they recently introduced a custom line of storage accessories, uh, which is very unique for a push cart. So just in time for Christmas, uh, and they have a cool tie-dye Grateful Dead theme, custom Walker trolleys, camo, and many more. So add flair and style to your trolley by purchasing a custom storage accessory today. And from now through Christmas, you can use code NOLAYINGUP30 to get $30 off your entire order. So And they don't fall apart. Like they're they are durable, durable substantial push cards. I like the wheels. They're really good, like proper looking wheel on those trolleys. Exactly. So shout out to our friends at Walker Trolleys. Broadcast again, like uh, on that exact note, uninterrupted coverage today. I did not shower until almost like one o'clock today because I was like, I don't know when. So I was like, sir, I couldn't get any time to take a shower. I couldn't look. Up. I know it's couldn't tough. Check my phone. Couldn't check Twitter. It was so much. I thought they did great. They did a great job. The only you know only complaint on my end was no Ju- Judy Rankin. And no stopples. Yeah. Yeah, we're Karen. We saw Karen earlier this week. She yeah. was around. I maybe she had some this weekend or she's she's awesome, but I can't get down with, with Paige. I just it's not personal. I just it's just not my tempo. She's getting reps. She I, yeah. But overall good good television package. I I'm sure we'll get into it more uh, here. The early round debacles. Should we talk about the winner? I feel I like we know. are this far yeah, in. I know. We, we just we got winner. going. I, I, I mean, it's been on my radar. Finish. It's killer on my radar. <laughs> I know we should not wait 18 minutes into the podcast before talking about the winner. But I think everyone's kind of left a little. I, I don't feel alone, and like everyone's kind of left scrambling for for nuggets on a Lim Kim because uh, she's 94th ranked player in the world, one of 41. First time U.S. Women's Open competitors in the field. This is coming from Julie Williams' Golf Week article. Oh, total pro! Yeah. Julie's the Julie's best. Great. Uh, so I, I got, I got to be honest. Didn't know a thing about her coming into this week, um, but her golf swing is one that stuck out to me. One of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have. There was no storyline in my mind of to follow, or at least as I was watching, I didn't have a storyline on her to follow. But other than when she was swinging the golf club, my eyes were drawn to this to the screen. And every time we watch women's golf, we say this like. You can learn way more from watching the women play at this level than you can watching from the men in terms of your own swing. And that was looked like a swing you'd want to copy. Yeah, I mean, six birdies today. I didn't I didn't see six birdies out there. Birdie the last. She kind of snuck up and st- it looked like it was going to be a just, you know, clawing finish. It was kind of a will it. Yeah. Right? Charles or, Schwartzel almost, or, too. Or, That's or who Schwartzel, I Schwartzel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where, like, yeah, you just come out of nowhere and snatch the thing and kind of stamp out some of the drama which if they'd have had commercials going today that's like the exact player they probably would have lost track of yeah. you know because they would have honed in on shibuno and you know amy olsen coming down the stretch and the, the they were afforded the ability to follow all of the key players within that even people finishing around the bottom of the top 10 like they um, they stuck with both the jutanagarn yep. sisters we saw aria do 
some good stuff, a lot of bad stuff as well. Jin Young Ko, exceptional finish from her. She, did, she's had such a bad year too. It's bizarre. Did Lim Kim play the whole tournament with a mask on, or was that today? She was she masked the whole, up yeah. the whole, whole time. There was there was probably what half a dozen players in the field that were playing with a mask on. I was gonna say like for a day like today, that would actually make a lot of sense with how cold it was. Just yeah. one more thing to keep you warm. The fashion today was out of control. So good. It, it's the best. Lee Six had a parka with sponsors on the back of it. How do you even get that in time? How do you plan for that? Um, you know, Lim Kim had the, a full white parka on in between shots. and I thought Jin Young Ko's earmuffs were, were elite. Who else had a, a fantastic Shib earmuffs? Shibuno had a great, great kit on. Um, you leave me know, I did thought, we say yes. her? I thought you leave me know's pants were aspirational. Yes. Um, we So a lot of people were calling for first one, no laying up uh, earmuffs to make their way in yeah, the shop. Yeah, actually the, the uh, merch star said the same thing <laughs> earlier when we were watching. <laughs> So I got some I got some Alim Kim uh, facts for you guys, yeah. uh, courtesy of SoulSisters.com. Um, S E O U L. Twenty five years old. Obviously plays full time on the uh, Korean LPGA tour. Uh, no nicknames. She broke through in twenty eighteen. Was her first win on the KPL KLPGA. Uh, she led that tour in driving distance, mm. which I think, like, I was so impressed with her swing. I saw Marina Alex tweet, like, <laughs> like swing goals, <laughs> A-Lim Kim. Uh, a question, is is it, is her first name A? I couldn't figure or that out. Or is it like, her? she's Lim Kim, but there's multiple Lim Kims, and then, she, but instead of going with numerical, she went with, you know, alphabet. I, I think it's like, so young... Rue, where you call her like so young, yeah, right. So I, I yeah, weren't I they addressing sense. her as a limb? Yeah, that makes sense. But it's but I'm but I guess in Korea, like, does like, that make her first name Kim? Actually, is it is it switched? I get confused. Like, do we sound like very dumb Americans? Pro, no, right now? I mean like <laughs> Tianlong Guan. It was Guan Tianlong, and and yeah. vice versa. So I, I he's Chinese though. I know. I, I'm just saying like names <laughs> yeah. don't necessarily yeah, translate yeah. to English. Is my it's, yeah. So that's right. It's so okay a, to be confused. Could, a could be. <laughs> You know, a di like a, a word or a different. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Lee Six was l literally like the Lee Six, six yeah, the Jung and Lee Six. There's multiple of them, and she just goes by Lee Six, which is of course awesome. So you guys have some more some more takes on some players, I believe. First of all, Jin Young Ko. We got all pick, the takes. My pick uh, finished one shot short. She yeah. is an absolute killer. She had such. She's like, I think she got into the CME uh, end of year tournament. Via this, because she she has not had a good year. Correct. No, no, she, no. She just wasn't here. That's why she. Oh, that was, she just yeah, she just came over a few weeks ago. <laughs> Did she not play at all the first the first few either? Uh, she may have not. I. She may. Um, let me let me check to see. So I, I give you proper information. I'm I'm all Shibuno all the time. She's <laughs> she's awesome. I'm. I was rooting for her. I, I, I thought I found myself rooting for her yet at the same time. Watching somebody with the lead of the U.S. Open kind of get like struggle to that was also felt like very fitting. And it's bizarre because she 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 had the lefts going a little bit uh, on the front nine, the 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 up and down after she airmailed the wedge, the up and down off the mud. Oh my god, that was, was so impressive. She didn't airmail a wedge; she sculled the wedge <laughs> over the green. Like that was a pure blade, long left. So before we get away from Jin Young Ko, uh, her first tournament this year was the Pelican, the one okay. in Tampa uh, in mid-November. So she finished tied for thirty-fourth there. Finished it up with a fifth at the Volunteers last week, and then a second here at the U.S. Open. So she will qualify for the year-end mm. CME Tour Championship uh, on the strength of three tournaments. Her game is so so classy. Yeah, and just just her whole her whole vibe is classy. Her whole ethos. She she shot sixty eight today, and then NB shot sixty eight today too. We followed NB a little bit both days, Thursday, Friday. Gosh, she's elegant game, right? Beautiful. <laughs> I wouldn't even say. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't even say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say like like I I do not know how she gets the ball to the green. But then, like once she's inside seventy yards, it's it's over. It's game over. Complete machine. It's Man. it's the kind of playing style that just like gets eliminated at the men's game with the current technology, like the current trends in the game. Whereas that it's a different style of play, and you see a lot of different styles of play on the LPGA tour. Yeah. Bianca, say it. Sorry, Pogdanan. Pogdanan uh, absolutely murders the ball. Fossey absolutely murders the ball. 
And then MB Park is right there without hitting it literally almost nowhere. Yeah. So NB, I think NB was with Aria and So Yunru. The first two rounds. Yeah. And it was bizarre watching all because I mean Aria's carrying her three wood past NB's driver. Uh but you know <laughs> Aria was carrying her driving iron past NB's crazy. driver. Yeah. And it was pretty firm out there the first the uh, first couple of rounds. We were walking with Mav McNeely who was who was following Danielle and he was saying he, he plays pretty often with NB in Vegas. And he's like, man, she's got the weirdest putting stroke. It's it's like this out to in kind like of hitches a little. Yeah, kind of sw- side swipe. And it the ball comes off pure every single <laughs> roll. So I, I I was like, what's like who do you and which LPGA player do you enjoy like watching and ask immediately NB Parks putting? And that's what Bethany Nichols like. MB Park's putting is, she might be the the global boss of the Moss. She's just so positive and happy all the time too. She is she like it's like watching Corey Pavin basically. I mean, because yeah. Corey Pavin's drives, you can actually in the cameras you can see it apex and then go on its way down. And same with MB Park's drives; they don't leave like the camera view. Yeah. And she's won eight majors, seven majors, something like that. Yeah. I think it's seven. It looks like she stops her swing. I told Tron, like, her, her bottom half lo- almost looks like it's not moving. Her her game is so aspirational for me. Like, it's such a slow swing speed. She and- has two different swings. She has a back swing and a forward swing, but they don't match <laughs> at all. <laughs> it, it's awesome. What else? What other uh, burning takes do you guys have? Or well, do, where do, do we want to start at the top of the board or some early, yeah, top, early in the think, week I stuff? I think we need to go top of the board and then we'll go early week stuff. I think Amy Olson, you know, thoughts thoughts out to her family. I believe her father-in-law passed away suddenly. Um, so she was playing with a heavy heart today. On Saturday. On Saturday, yeah. yeah. Like in the middle of the tournament. Yeah, and uh, her husband's a uh, assistant football coach, linebackers coach, I believe, for North Dakota State. Correct. Yeah, and um, yeah, so really – you know, incredible performance under pretty trying circumstances for her. She um, played so well. I thought she, I thought her irons were just like early in the back fire. nine. It was like, there's no way she's going to lose. Yeah. And I don't think she, she didn't lose. I just, that it goes back to Alim Kim just went and took it, it's in like, my opinion. Yeah. She played the last 14 holes two under and got passed. Like it was some, the, the bogey on 16, I'm sure is, is yeah. going to, it's going to hurt a little bit. She just bad start. Flew it. Three, uh, yeah, three she even said she flushed it. Like it was, it was a good shot. Just she was, a bad result. She was flushing it all day, according <laughs> to Hicks and yeah, bones. and Bones. Just yeah, bombing it past her. You know, her playing partners. It, lo- it looked like just a final round of a U.S. Open champion, and that's I. I did not see the the finish coming from Alim Kim. I don't think many people did. So she gained. Yeah, three, she was three under the last three, and and Olsen played the last three even. So and got beat by one. One nugget on Shibuno, she wants to join the LPGA Tour. and Finally. After having the option after to. saying and thanks, but no thanks after winning the British. <laughs> so I don't, I don't quite know exactly what she has to do, but I, I've, I heard that she's going to go to Q Series if, if need be. So we're going to see a lot more of Hanaka Shibuno in, in the years to come. I didn't realize, even after the, when she won at Woburn, I didn't realize she was only – 22. Woburn. You're going to get ri- – just because you're going to get roasted. I yeah. thought it was Woburn. It's, it's Woburn, Mass in, okay. in Massachusetts. I, d- I don't want you to – I don't want them to come after you. I don't want the issue of a mea culpa. But uh, the story I heard a couple times in the broadcast, but the fact that she thought it was – she thought she was going to go play the women's British at like a Lynxland course yeah. and showed up and it was tree line. Yeah. She had no idea. She was pissed. There's something to – like I was pissed too. <laughs> she's not a uh, – it's not a Cinderella story. I mean, she's a – I mean, this I, this solidifies her more. She's I like think a world class player. Yeah, yeah, she just hadn't really traveled the exactly. world to play. I don't really under, fully know the story why, but the fact that she you know was you know thirty six and fifty four hole leader at a U.S. Women's Open and has won last year's uh, AIG Women's Open, um, yeah, that's a that's a world class player. She's apparently a huge huge deal in Japan too. From the oh, sound of it, I mean, she's just a rock star marketing, uh, you know, giant over there. She's quickly. Quickly becoming my, my favorite player out there. I she mean, is she is fun to watch. Um, Megan Kang, I thought uh, hell of a week. I thought it was going to be her day for for you know a little bit there. Just a um, couple little stumbles on the the one on five. She bogeyed the par five, uh, the fifth hole, and then a uh, couple more bogeys seven and eight. Birdied six and nine, and then. Um, and then bogeyed 11, which 11 was tough. So so this, this is where the women's game is so wild. Uh, Megan Kang's 23. 
just finished tie or uh, solo fifth at the U.S. Women's Open. You know, it, it was her eighth Women's Open <laughs> in her career. Guess how many? <laughs> guess how many unreal. U.S. Women's Opens Lexi's played in? Uh, Eleven. Thirteen. Jesus. She's twenty-five. She's twenty-five. <laughs> oh my God! Over half her life at age twenty-five. Well, yeah. So the best best major finish though for Megan. So hell of a week. She yeah. she was an awesome. There's an old trap draw. We actually TC and I did uh, from the beginning of 2020. We and, actually talked to her 20, late in 2019, yeah, yeah. but it came out 2020 uh, with Megan. She's so nice. She's so Boston. Great story. Can I work on a question here that I've, yeah. I've been excited to get to? This is from uh, Fox Locks, uh, I believe is how I would say it. Everyone keeps talking about how it's so much better to see the courses playing at these yardages, but aren't the women still bombing it compared to 15 to 20 to 30 years ago? Like they use the same tech as men, so why isn't there why isn't there a distance problem in women's golf? She says, serious question. I'm only asking what your thoughts are on the distance debate and if it only applies to men's professional golf. I'd say it certainly applies to women's golf, but not at the same. It's not as alarming because the swing speeds aren't maximizing the benefit from the technology. I was going to say, let me tee you up here, Solly or Tron. You guys know much better than I do, but my my understanding was the the swing speed that the men, the professional men generate greatly maximizes the distance that the ball goes. Like you're maximizing compression and maximizing flight where uh, like your 10, 12 handicap amateurs and the women who typically don't swing it that fast, the ball just is not compressing and therefore is not flying as far as, is that the gist of that? That is the gist of it. And I think that it just... It's so hard to explain, but I, I, I think this, it's an important question to tackle because what we just watched felt feels to me like the scale of the game of golf that works the best. I mean, it was 63 or 6,400 yards for women playing it. As far as how far they're hitting off tee shots, the factors they had to consider going over bunkers, going right of bunkers, going left of bunkers, trying to figure out what to take on. You know, they're hitting hybrids and, and you know, longer clubs in. But The layups and the par fives were a lot more uh, fascinating to watch them play to uh this week versus normally like it's it's normally an afterthought you know uh lay, you know layups or second shots yeah. on a par five but it felt like there was there was it wasn't a driving contest it wasn't a wedge contest it wasn't a mid-iron contest it wasn't a chipping contest it wasn't a putting contest it was a complete all-around test yeah. of all of those skills and i think week to week on the men's tour you know it, it can shift between a lot of those things but often huge emphasis on driving it and the, you know it's just I don't know. I wish I could say exactly as to like why distance hasn't taken over the women's game, but it seems to me that just the male, you know, athlete is able to condition their body to hit up on the ball and hit it much further. And the technology allows them to do it with such little risk that it makes kind of blows the scale of golf out the window. And it's something that, you know, some of the longest women aren't able to do on a consistent enough basis. Um, That's not, and I think it, it almost like the the point you can miss with that is that it, you don't even appreciate how skilled they are from a lot of these yardages. Or I guess even for the men, you don't appreciate how skilled they are at some of these shots because the technology just doesn't require it at nearly the same frequency anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's just it, if you watch, hopefully the people that watch that, I, I can't imagine anyone walking away from that and thinking that distance is even like remotely an issue at this level. That's why. I'm pro bifurcation. It's because it's not like everyone needs the ball to go shorter. I mean, I don't think the women's game needs the ball to go shorter at all. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. The technology, the technology as it currently stands, is makes the women's game very interesting. Whereas I think it's the opposite on the men's side. Is that yeah, fair to say? Totally. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Totally aligned. I, I think it, it ties in well with our discussion of this week. It, it's going to be really interesting to see. There are quote-unquote, like, power players coming up on the LPGA. Uh, the LPGA very, uh, you know, very cheeky, very USGA, forthright, yeah, or yeah. the USGA paired uh, <laughs> three of them together this week in Maria Fossey and Van Dam and uh, Bianca Pogdenanen. You got it. Yeah, uh, it's I, just you, refs. It's you're just a little refs afraid to point. go for it, but um, Pogdenanen. And so it'll be, it'll be really interesting. I mean, certainly they're not the only three that, that – can hit it, you know. The angel can hit it far. Like there's right. Lexi, obviously, but like, but like, I think Ann Van Dam. She's out of those three. She was the one that had the most left in the tank. Where like she's she hits this high draw, 
and she's working with Foley, and like you could tell she had probably another 10 yards in the tank beyond. But it, some of this goes back to course setup too because the LPJ courses are not set up to be – if they played it a lot longer, you'd probably see the game trend a lot more towards peop, like the women trying to bomb it a lot further, trying to figure out a way. But when you play it at this distance, you know, it, it just doesn't require – it doesn't the, the advantage – isn't the same to be gained that there's multiple ways you can chart yourself to the well, hole. Even beyond that, I think it's interesting how much they short. I mean, they shortened the course up three or 400 yards as the week went along. And on a men's, like the men's courses aren't long enough to where you can do that in the first place. They're trying to find every little bit right. of distance to get all the way back there. So I think that that's an interesting distinction too. It's the setup committees have the flexibility and, the variety to be able to do something like that, whereas they're so constrained on the men's side because they're just gonna it's gonna be a pushover either way. Hopefully, Fox locks. Hopefully, that's a adequate answer for. I, I would. I think it was Randy. or him. I don't. I, was it a I, male or female? I don't know who it was either. But I think it's a. It's a. It's a. I think he he or she was feeling kind of cheeky about asking that. Is that like I, I I'm not being a smartass here. It's like literally, what is the difference? And I still think I don't fully understand it but like that's the best way i can i can describe it at least from watching as a fan how it plays out um i just am way more intrigued watching the, the shots that were acquired because like they just don't need to manipulate the golf courses at the women's level like they do the men's like they didn't grow the rough up rough up like Wingfoot. they didn't make the fairway super narrow you know it's it just it played like it played even yeah. without crazy conditions so can we talk to hanagarn sisters yes absolutely oh, please aria she all right Scorecard, front nine, birdie, par, bogey, birdie, double, bogey, bogey, birdie, birdie. And then... And that double was on a par five. Inexcusable, really. she birdies 12 to get it back to even for the day after all that. She is like... I've followed her a bunch Thursday and Friday, and um, God, she's just like so invigorating to watch because she's... She's so good with her irons and and she's streaky with the putter, but it's like watching Spieth. Like inexplicable <laughs> stuff happens, and it's, it's like so talented, but just like so little control over what's going on. Yeah, it feels it, like it just seems like she's along for the ride. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and speaking of this whole distance thing, she doesn't. I don't. She doesn't carry. She certainly doesn't hit a driver. No. I'm not even sure no, if she, she has one. I in look, her bag. she doesn't carry a driver. Her caddy's Jane Park's husband, Pete. He's the man. And uh, yeah, she doesn't carry a driver. She hits the shit out of her driving iron. I mean, her three. I mean, she hits like in the ones. I think I've seen her hit in the one sixties ball speed with her three wood, yeah. which is like, you know, what we're striving for with drivers. I mean, she hits the ball, but like it go. It again speaks to like it just not being that much of an advantage on the LP. If if, if it was that much of an advantage, she would probably find a way to figure out a way to hit driver. Which it's still surprising to me that she hasn't figured that figure that out in you know in the many years she's she's been a pro but yeah it's it's a it's just a roller coaster ride speed comparison is so accurate because she is never in control you do not know what you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get birdies you're gonna get bogeys she's really fun to follow i love she's funny for she's like engaging she's she, we did a great video yeah. with her when neil and i were up at uh, country club of charleston before last year's u.s women's open and she's just like just will roast you and she has a great sense of humor it was a great clip they posted of you know, when uh, her sister was, uh, Mariah's doing a, a press conference, she came up and asked her a question, like, hey, how far does your hit sister hit it past you? And then Mariah's like the opposite sort yeah. of player. <laughs> like very calculating, very, you know, very proper player. Um, it's just it's just interesting to see kind of both of them. So, you know, they, they were both in the mix today, just ultimately too many bogeys, um, you know, kind of in that, in that middle part of the round. And then Moria had, had, she was two over on the back nine, so... Um, um, got a question here um, about – this is from Maddie Ice Nichols. Is Maria Fossey the Alex Albon of women's golf? Has the tools but no results. Well, Randy had – Randy was going to bring this up. Yeah, essentially. I, I think I, I think she's kind of in the Ricky Fowler um, – She's like Ricky in training. She's in the Ricky Fowler laboratory right now. I, I think – and she exudes just it. Right, I, the way she carries herself, she wears big aviator sunglasses. I, I can see why everybody in the women's game wants her to be a star. Her swing is crazy athletic. She hits the crap out of the ball, 
But man, she oh, she, hit she doesn't the, really know where it's going. It looks like she's made some major swing changes. I don't know where she is in that process, but like from when we did the video on her at the uh, KPMG LPGA last year, it looks very different. It looks way more conventional now. It, so I don't know where she is in the swing change process. She was hit. She had the left miss in play, um, which was both invigorating and terrifying. But we're nets out with like Albon and Ricky. We're, we're being a little cheeky, but I, I do think there's a lot of truth to that. Is you know she's the 138th ranked player in the world. She she hasn't won on the LPGA tour. She she didn't really have a sterling, comparatively speaking, college career. But yet, she's got huge sponsors in some of the biggest groups. Uh, probably one of the most well-known names to casual, you know, golf fans, but casual LPGA fans. So it's really interesting. I mean, she's really young. She's 22. This was only her second season on tour. So I don't want to, like, bury her. But it, it is – there's something going on where it's like, okay, I realize you guys really want her to be a star and to push her. but I do too. The I game's like good for the game. But, but the, the game's not quite matching the profile yet. I had some concerns too. The mom was way, way out there as far as, like, you know, talking to her – between uh, holes oh, or between, okay. yeah. like it was, you know, just got a little bit like, all right, take a step back. You know, she's twenty two at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That, and that's not young. But it was interesting to watch. You know, she was she kind of shot herself out of it. She had, you know, terrible day Thursday, and actually came back and and fought pretty hard on Friday when she, you know, didn't really have a whole lot to play for other than pride. But it was interesting to see fifth hole and Van Dam, Fossey and. Um, do you want to take a swing at it? Bianca Pagdanon. That's pretty good. Okay. That's pretty she, good. Uh, Pagdanon. Pagdanon? Whatever. Uh, the emphasis is earlier. Pagdanon. 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 Okay. So <laughs> uh, you could tell Fosse, like she she had nothing to play for and she was like, all right, like I'm going to, she like told the other two, right, I'm going to swing out of my shoes and I'm going to try to outdrive you. <laughs> so it was really interesting to watch. And she, she was probably, what, eight yards shy? I thought all three hit their drives pretty it well, was, it, and it was Ann Van Dam, the furthest. By about two yards. And then Bianca, and then Fosse, I don't know, five, six yards behind, yeah. behind and, that. And Bianca hit it a little bit higher. She's got a little bit more spin on her ball. And then and then Fosse hit this this approach into five that was like from, you know, they were probably, what, two 230-ish out, and it went so far right. Like, <laughs> Foul ball. <laughs> It was sick. <laughs> With the three wood, it was a foul ball. Oh no! Yeah, that, that was going so, right after a few misses left the first day. Um, and Van Dam, we've got some concerns there. Love watch, love, love watching her. So just like technically, such a good golf swing. A lot like Rory, potentially, potentially a, th a thrower, not a pitcher. Sorry, I, yeah. I had a feeling that one. Was and she's deep in in the lab with Foley right now. So yeah. it was like Lydia and a lot of people Lydia on Twitter were like, "R.I.P. Her back in like two years." <laughs> I would say out of that group, I am putting all of my chips in on Bianca. All right, and Bianca made one of the worst worst. Oh my players. God, her no, her double on number nine yeah. was the worst golf hole of the tournament. I think. <laughs> It was, um, it was the last thing we saw before we left. It was so depressing leaving, on, leaving oh on that God. note. It was because she had because she had played like the second shot she hit in to five was insane. She was like ten feet away. I have a question for you from Scott Van Gerwen. What were your thoughts on the women worth watching hashtag? Felt very condescending to me, and the constant bombarded bombardment of PGA player tweets featured during the broadcast was painful. If the tour wants. Better LPGA numbers, innovate the brand slash broadcast in parentheses LPGA drive to survive question mark. Don't don't confuse the LPGA with the USGA slogan. Yep. So I would say that to Mr. Van Gerwen. Yeah, I thought it was condescending. I thought it was preachy. I thought it was, you know, kind of insulting. I don't know. I, I just I don't like the all the activated, you know, kind of scheduled tweets and Instagram posts and everything like that. It just doesn't feel authentic at all. Oh, it's horribly inauthentic. Yeah. It, it rings hollow. Um, Especially in the context of the coverage debacle on, you know, on, on, on Friday. Friday. To take us through what happened exactly there. <laughs> they bumped up, they bumped up play due to weather. And then it was not good. Basically uh, it was only, you know, the weather was in the afternoon and the broadcast window for television did not move. Correct. Ahead. They basically got preempted for the QBE shootout. They didn't do Dick on uh Peacock, and it was all like GolfChannel.com, and then supposedly that feed. And they, was, they didn't do anything on the GolfChannel.com feed 
because it was locked on some image of a lake yeah, for hours. It was or so something. insulting, and like, and it was so, it was so jarring to see that against the the whole background of women, you know, hashtag women worth watching. Well, that yeah, that's the thing is you you make such a big deal rightly out of they are worth watching, it's and this is message. the last major yeah. of the year, and all that's great. And then when one little thing doesn't go to plan, they have to move the tee times up. Like Golf Channel can't. That's not unforeseen. Like that's not a bump. ridiculous thing yeah, to happen right. in December a golf tournament. Too. Yeah, <laughs> can't bump like a glorified exhibition on the. No, PGA not tour. a glorified exhibition. An actual exhibition. Yeah, like, like it's like just the QBE shootout is is makes the Hero World Challenge look like the fucking 2000 U.S. Open, <laughs> which is disappointing because early in the week you get stuff you know like Molly Molly Solomon and and folks like going on and. Doing everything that they need to do, and and it it's like, I, where is she when like she should answer for for this decision, and like they're never approachable. Randy, you when don't they understand need to how be, contracts work, but you don't understand <laughs> when when they need to be in a situation like this. And I don't know. It, it just there was just a delicious irony, and and it was a shame ultimately for the tournament and and for the coverage and for the fans. But I I don't know. I think today they actually got they got a ton of eyeballs on. You know I, I know I know a bunch of people were at work and everything like that. But it seemed like like they truly had the stage. They weren't going against NFL today. They weren't going against anything today. It was it was all eyes on women's golf. Um, I I just think at some point the actions don't don't match the the um, the slogan. I think the slow, like, you can come to the conclusion that women are worth watching. And I think this is something that we have been very much in, in conclusion of for as long as we've been doing this podcast, right? It's not something that we needed to be told. I think you can have that as, yeah. as your message. If, if I you, hope people realize we, like, we weren't part of, like, the campaign. Like, we, <laughs> yeah. we didn't need to do that shit. Anyone like, that was a part of the campaign. Like, got, we flew to Houston and, and wanted to be there. Yeah. <laughs> so... You can have that as the goal. Like you can say internally, these women are like, these are worth watching and people are missing out on that. Okay. So let's get in a room and come up with a message that isn't that literal statement. Like, cause it's just, it doesn't like speak for itself at all. Like how many people saw that and were like, oh, I bet you're right. These women are worth watching. I'm going to invest my time in it. And the whole way they go about it too is, is it's so, it's just so like chintzy and inauthentic to where it's like, if if you want to cover the sport, then like cover the sport and get people into women's golf because of, because it's really good and because it's really interesting and tell those stories. Don't just, don't just make people feel like shit because they've never watched women's golf before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what pisses me off. And I think some of the people on the messaging front of that were like, some of the people doing this messaging are part of the problem. Like they're, they're the ones that are, that have perpetuated this. I will say, like, they're on the right track with the uninterrupted coverage, you know, which, of course, is brought on, you know, through through part. You know, that's kind of brought into NBC through the Fox contract. So NBC picked up the Fox contract, and that was all written into it. Um, and it's part of, you know, how the men's U.S. Open makes a lot of money for the USGA and is able to kind of subsidize these kind of things is, you know, that there's support of the women's event in that vein and how much they pay the women for the event is all, I think, things we're all champions of and, and yeah. have been good movements. But, and this is a separate, maybe this is a, uh, you know, I, I think we've kind of covered that, that just that, that hashtag being condescending is, is, is obvious to a lot of people. I think it was well, like, I mean, like, I don't want to turn this into a thing, but like, I, I think this is worth addressing. So Erica Nardini is on the, on the special or whatever, the women worth watching thing, pre-tournament CEO of Barstool. Barstool can't even send their main podcast to it after she gets on there and says, this is worth watching. This is, and like, to me, like that doesn't, those two things don't match up. That doesn't equate. Like if, if this is worth watching, then you send your main golf podcast people to your, you know, golf coverage people to cover the tournament. I, and another thing I brought up earlier uh, a few days ago was, you know, why don't the women get feature group coverage? Yeah. Right. Like, like why is there not an online channel or, or two where I can tune in and watch all 18 holes and get dialogue from two of the feature groups. Again, it's like we're, the, the actions have to – the USGA and the broadcast, like at a certain point their actions aren't showing me that it's worth watching because it, it's just not. And they'll, and they'll fall back on COVID with, with you know, COVID and having – obviously it was a different deal last year with Fox. At, you know, like they've 
they had the feature group and they had all the all the highlights on the app and everything like that. But it's just it's tough where it seems like there's always an excuse, right? This year the excuse is you know NBC got this dumped on their laps, however many months prior, and you know, and it's just it's like at some point like you gotta you gotta manage through the excuses and just just make it happen. Yeah. Well, I think though you know what I've been encouraging for the LPGA and I know the LPGA and USGA are different entities and whatnot, but for women's golf, basically we're saying that women's golf is worth watching. It's not just the U S women's open is kind of the messaging here. And I I do think that one, we were super excited to see them get the stage in December, not opposite another PGA tour event, not opposite, you know, it's opposite football, but you know, still it is golf's stage came to the women, which is something I've been clamoring for, especially in these COVID times of like, you're not hosting hospitality, which is the reason why you have events end on a weekend, you know, getting creative. And I'm, I'm challenging the LPGA to get more creative. Like, I, all right, I get kind of the reason why tour player, PGA tour players can say, like, I don't want to wear microphones or I don't want audio captured on the course, blah, blah, blah. I get that, but I don't for the women because I think that they should, and we've experienced how great they are at like any media, they, any player we want available for any media is basically there when we want them. So like, all right, now I need that for the television broadcast. I really do. And I, it seems very golf on, we've very well documented golf on TV is hard to watch at times, especially when there's a lot of commercial interruptions, blah, 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 a lot of restraints. I can't have that problem also go to like LPGA golf where it's just announcers talking, you know, every they, they had Chris, it seemed like the, the mics were close to Christy Kerr all week and she's talking through shots and I need, I need that audio but from again, the LPGA tour I think players. that comes down to resources, right? And it, is it golf channel willing to I'm sure invest in that, but like know? that's with a new contract. I'm hoping that it's like, and the, the, the thing that Scott brought up here was like LPGA drive to survive. Like give me a series on that. Again, I can see why PGA tour players can, you know, all the money they're making, like, why do I need to do this? Blah, blah, blah. I've already got this many bookings. I've got blah, blah, blah. The LPGA Tour players have the capacity to do this and would be willing to in a heartbeat. Yep. Like, somebody, we need to tell the story, like, behind the scenes on this and make us invested in caring in these players at a different level. If if the goal at the end of it is that women are worth watching, that's how you get there more than, like, hey, I'm going to have so-and-so PGA Tour player tweet out something that they're reading from a screen and put obvious hashtag women worth watching on it. And that that's not what what how you're going to get there. Yeah. Amen. And like, and really to be clear, like I, I don't think, I think what we're talking about is se- totally separate. It's distinct from, I think the USGA did a great job running the event. I think I was super impressed. It was my first US Open or US Women's Open. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to one. I thought it was extremely well run. I thought it was first class all the way. Setup was great and all that. I think the branding, and you, and you can say the same thing from the, from many one thing on on the U.S. Open side. Like there's there's some issues on that front. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, I think that's a separate. Exactly, they're two yeah, they're, they're yeah. two separate things. It's like the USGA, you know, trying to do this good thing, and I think stubbing their toe in the process and the presentation and, and logistics of the actual golf tournament. Uh, what was your guys' favorite uh, outfit touch of the day? Favorite favorite things you saw? Just today? Or the the whole week. Sure, let's go for the whole week. Oh, my gosh. Anna Belak, remember she was wearing... Oh, um, stunting on everybody. Like pink, yeah. like all pink with some like purple dyed hair. That was uh, that was quite a look. So Ian Rue had some great bell bottoms on. Hmm. Um, just really, really like aggressively style. I was a big fan of the earmuffs today. Lee Six's earmuffs, um, those are great. Um, of course, Shibuno's sweater was uh, that felt like something straight out of the TC collection. Who, there. who was wearing the full? Oh, Lynn Grant was wearing like literally the full ski jacket yeah. while she was flying. <laughs> we even talked about the the, uh, the uh, amateurs. Oh, jeez, I, mean, I know. You know, there were three three Swedish amateurs. There in the a top sw- twenty for the, for a the, while on Friday. There's a Swedish revolution coming. Did you? I had no idea Swedish women's golf was this strong. I didn't either. I mean, it was you know, I knew they had some some good players, you know, coming up through the ranks. But like Lynn Grant before that quad on Saturday, like she was she was there. It was and that was a tough tough chain of events to watch. Ball rolling back into the hazard, you know, like like I mean, probably missed her spot by a yard. I think that was the other thing about the course. There was some really really good like runoffs mm-hmm. and they weren't really obvious at where you were sitting or where you were standing on the fairway. And then you would, 
you know, you would see it from the back end and be like, oh my God, like that thing is dead back there. Yeah, those kind of runoffs and uh, those kind of pins being near the runoffs just require such an extra level of precision that when asked to do it multiple, multiple, multiple times, like a player that's not ready for that is not going to be able to pass that test, you know, eight times in the course of a week. Uh, Kudos to Caitlin Papp. She was the low M. Uh, finished tied for ninth. She is a hook'em horn out of Austin. Gabby Ruffles. TC and I, that was one of the highlights of the week. We not only got to talk to her on the range, but we got to meet her caddy and, and coach at USC. Justin. Justin, Justin Silverstein. Silverstein. And he, then, was, he was awesome. I am then, so impressed with Gabby Ruffles. So. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it, and Justin was telling us a little bit, like she's very untechnical, like feel player. Um but man, she she competed. I, a seventy today in those conditions is that's really really impressive. Uh, was you know right there to win a second USAM earlier this year. Uh, she I'm, got a shout out for playing in the Jacksonville City Am too by Dan Hicks on the broadcast. Oh, yeah? yeah, he mentioned it on the broadcast. So yeah, I tell that for folks that may not know. She, uh, she played in the you know she was the first woman to play in the there was actually three women that played this year but uh, in the Jacksonville City Am since like for like forty years or something like that. Uh, she was, you know, wanted to get a competitive rep in before the U.S. Women's Am this summer, and she swung through Jacksonville. We played a little practice round with her, and then uh, after we both shot opening round 76s, we got paired together in the second round. And uh, she unfortunately struggled on the way to missing the cut. Um, but, you know, the fact that I did edge her out on that day, I now am considered a U.S. Women's Open champion. So, or at least probably. you would have been in the discussion for low am at, Correct. The, at the Women's Open. Yeah, so uh, thank Amelia you Amelia Garvey. That. Yeah. Another oh my gosh! USC. We were marveling at her swing. Talk about she. What did Justin say? She's got a, as much swing speed as uh, Fossey. Yeah, uh, Kiwi. Um, yeah, she's she's got a bright future. Uh, I mean, I think it's worth noting too. Gabby's only been playing golf for like six years. Unbelievable! <laughs> so. It's unbelievable. And she won it the U.S. Women's Am after playing it for like four and a half years or five years or something yeah. like that, which is uh, absurd. We were super. We followed Rose Rose Zhang for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she had it going for a while, and then just kind of stubbed her toe. There were there were quite a few of those. Carlotta Segonda, um, Nelly, uh, Celine Boutier. I mean, um, honestly, Bianca, who we've talked oh about. My gosh, yeah. How she missed a cut is beyond me. Mm-hmm. I think not not an amateur, but. I watched her on the range, and I know a, a swing comparison of her and Rory uh, was making the rounds is Yuka Sasso, who's another shout-out Corito in the in the Philippines golf uh, machine. She is 19, and she's another one. Like I, I I'm really excited for all this talent uh, and and the you know the the young newcomers coming onto the the women's golf scene. I hope yeah, I hope that some of that translates you know it's kind of it seems like the people that, the young women that we get real excited about coming out seem to just kind of kind of fizzle for longer than uh than you can afford to in women's golf but buster robbins nest asks uh which one of the NL, nlu crew is most likely to drop their phone to the bottom of their bag such as a limb kim did there and the oh had to dump the whole bag out and as she was waiting for her final results to come i feel in. like i did that with my car keys not too long ago I mean, this is an easy one, right? Poosh Daddy told us he did it. His buddies you? did it with him. It's Neil, oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, but Neil's not really ever on his phone on the course either. That's true. I think, it, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, it's it's tougher to do when you want a staff back. It's very true. <laughs> I don't think they're fitting in the bottom of our bag. Um, all right, what else are we? Uh, what else are we missing? Gosh, um, guys, I I got a very important announcement. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh no. I got two people I'm putting on notice. Okay. Again, this is this is the ultimate Death Watch 2021. Right? I I can't let it slide. I cannot let it slide. Dustin Johnson, of course, on the men's side, went out in his last start or not his last start. We we established that second but, to last start, right? Yes, and um, of course, Rory is dead. There are a couple there are a couple people in the women's game that I am officially putting on notice. They have five opportunities in 2021 to win a major, or else I will officially declare them dead. Don't say Brooke. Don't say Brooke. Brooke Henderson. God Whoa. Damn it, Randy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> she just what's she doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Come on, man. 
Do you know how long it's been since she won her major? 20, it was 2016, I think, right? It was 16. Four, yeah. 2015 was kind of her coming out party. 2016, she wins the major. She's won twice each year since then. She's 23 years old. She's only 23, man. If she doesn't win next year, it'll be a full five years since winning her last major. It's not It's not going to do it. She's on notice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Canada. Uh, that's just the way it is. And the other person, this is cool. We're going to have two people simultaneously, Lexi Thompson. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. I could see that one coming. So I don't want I don't want to pile on Lexi. I, I don't, you know, there was that picture making the rounds this week about her swing. Uh she's a great athlete. I my my issue with Lexi is she always looks like she's fucking miserable on the yeah. golf course. Like just looks like she hates playing golf. I felt like it was I found her easy to root for when she was was coming up and then as of like the last you know couple of years I'm kind of like, "Wait, wait, why?" Like I have no, you know, no, not heard great stories about her. I've got nothing to be encouraged by. I don't. I. I don't find myself pulling for her nearly as much as I feel like I used to. You know when she last won a major, her only major, twenty seventeen. It was before Rory won his last twenty fourteen A and A. Really? So, yeah. So really, she she may have. This all may be posthumous. <laughs> exactly. I was gonna say you've you've given her enough enough time. Twenty fourteen. We were thinking early on Thursday, we were thinking it was going to be popping off this weekend. She looked, yeah, she looked good for a while. She looked great. Uh, you leave me know, I do want to acknowledge her three putt today, which is one of the, one of the worst. It was, it was both a terrible three putt, but also a good three putt because that could have easily been a four putt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she was using that counterbalance putter, which maybe we need to rethink that because. I do want to give a shout out to Lexi's uh, A&A uh, run over the last six, seven years. First, seventh, fifth, second, T20, third, fourth. That's that's pretty nutty. But. It's time for another one, Lexi. Uh, we, good news is you get five pops on the on the women's side. So all right, Randy, I'm, I got I got one for you. If if you're putting Lexi on notice, basic and and especially Brooke, if you're putting Brooke on notice, <laughs> you know another 22 year old Nelly. Oh boy, who's never won a major. Lost the A and A inspiration in this year uh, in a playoff. Brooke Brooke was also in the playoff. I'll, I'll add, <laughs> and has three LPGA Tour wins. How do you, TC? That's a wonderful we're, question. We're punishing we're punishing people for early success in their in their teens and twenty year old. But no, years. that's part of it. You you yes, it's punishing you, but only because you're so good. And quite honestly, I think it's a valid point about Nelly. There are real concerns there. I, I think she needs to, you know. Didn't she get on tour in like 2018? Well, oh, that's the thing. Yeah. Less reps than Brooke and Lexi, certainly. I mean, I, you, you could argue that, that Brooke has too many reps. She needs less reps. She needs to play less. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know. Nelly's a killer. I, Is she, though? Well, <laughs> we'd, we'd like her to be. I mean, Nelly has like the quite literally maybe the greatest golf swing in the world. She does. So like <laughs> she's she, gonna win. She should kill way more often. Yes, she, she should. should. She definitely should. She should have won the women's PGA or uh, yeah, KPMG women's PGA last year. It's very concerning, TC. I the committee will certainly take that under advisement. What else you guys got? Um, gosh, that's really it. I mean, I think I would say you let me know and um, um. Rose Zhang and the Swedes and Yuka and Yuka Sasso and Bianca. I guess we can lump them. Let's just call them the Filipinos. Yeah, I, I'm. I am all in on this crop of. I, I think. I think they're going to take over the game. It's going to be similar to like the the JT Spieth, Berger, all those dudes. I if if you're a big fan of women's golf, we're preaching to the choir. But if if you're not. And if you're not, and you made it an hour, uh, five minutes right. into this No, podcast. no, God bless you. I, I think one of the things that's really important to know about the women's game is just how uh, strong the Korean LPGA Tour is. And so somebody like A. Lim Kim, who we don't necessarily know a lot of uh, uh, here in the U.S., she's been very good on the Korean LPGA Tour. And, you know, you look at Jin Young-ko and So Yeon-ru, like they – when they go home and play, uh, a lot of them were there for most of the COVID lockdown. Uh, like when they win and certainly win majors on that tour, it's just as big, if not 
you know, bigger than winning like some of the majors on stateside. They're KJ Choi and Sung Jae. Yeah. And so the, the, the Korean women's game is so, so, so strong. Um, and I, I hope like a winner like Alim Kim isn't a turnoff necessarily for American golf fans. Hopefully it's, it's a pathway to better understanding the, the global nature of it. This is from uh, at Marquise West. He said he heard on Thursday that uh, Amy Olson passed all four parts of the CPA exam, just was lacking the experience requirement to become officially licensed. So, is that right? So I heard I heard something like that on the broadcast this week. But uh, that might be the most impressive thing yeah, I've heard because it took me five years to pass that damn test. I yeah. I only ever passed two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a bit unnecessary when you're that good at golf. I, but, I still um, have some concerns about the backstopping. I, she's apologized. She is. She has vociferously apologized, which you know, it's like, what else can you do? I can forgive. I'm not going to forget. That's that that's, is fair. That's fair. That's, that's all that's that anybody's fair. asking. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, boys, for the uh, on-course insights into uh, the week that was in the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, hopefully, everyone got to watch on this fun uh, little Monday, and uh, we will be kind of getting getting close to year end here on the pod. We'll have uh, another interview pod up later this week, and then some highlights episode, and then uh, starting the year with a bang. Hopefully, uh, in twenty twenty one, and uh, ready to fire up for a new season. Ready for a little break, though. Shout out, Ollie. Danielle Kang's caddy. No, he's the best. Oh, he's, he's the, the man. Range. Yeah. He's, <laughs> been, he's been surfing in the East Coast slop over here. Really? Yeah, he came over and surfed with Mel Reed here in Jacksonville. Which we need to get Mel back on now that she's in Jacksonville, apparently. So Mel's swing looks so good. These days, like she like it looks like there's just this confidence that's been unlocked by a recent run of success. So yes, let's get them on. Excited to see it. Thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.